Hey everyone, you're listening to Little Bit of Life Podcast with Little. This podcast is dedicated to having the real, raw, and the occasional ridiculous chats about everything that we seem to think, but don't say. Very little is off limits. Sit back, enjoy, and let's get started. Today's episode is sponsored by Bella Sante Health, founded locally here in Tucson, Arizona in 2019 by a group of medical professionals and athletes. That's why they have a scientific approach to health and a commitment to excellence in everything that they do. They utilize 99.9% pure hemp isolate grown in Colorado. With less than 0.3% THC, their CBD products are legal in all 50 states for every need you could possibly have. Make sure to check them out in the bio for your free consultation. Hello, my name is Margie Taylor. My son, Joey, specialist at Fort Hood, died in his barracks while sleeping on February 1st. It wasn't suicide. It wasn't natural causes. And the only medication he was on was what was prescribed to him since Christmas. I don't have an autopsy. I don't have a toxicology. I don't have access to his medical records. And it's been almost 90 days and I'm still not getting any answers. He was young, healthy, 32 years old, and was about to get out of the army. Please share and help me. Hey guys, and welcome into another amazing episode of Little Bit of Life podcast with Little. I need the help and the love and the affection and the drive and the tenacity and the stubbornness out there from my military families, from our men and our women. I have an incredible mother on with us today. Her name is Margie Taylor, and she is here not only to share her story, but veteran family, communities, active military, we need your help. We need to come together and we need to get the story out there, not only just for this mother, but for all of the other ones that this is unfortunately happening to that the military is just pushing underneath the rug. They don't want to talk about it. They don't want to give family answers and they don't want to give those who want to assist the family any answers either. So without further ado, welcome in Margie. How are you doing today with everything going on? Um, I'm actually doing pretty well. You know, people ask me that all the time in the community where I live because I work in public relations. I'm out in the community all the time. And I mean, what answer are they looking for? So I found a better answer today when somebody asked me that. I said, as good as can be expected. Agreed. And that's pretty much it. <laughs> the reason that we do have you on for our listeners, I have a massive amount of veteran supporters, communities, and it is truly a family. But when something like this and such a tragedy happens, we need to come together, like I said, not only for answers, but to make this unknown, unsuspected, almost hidden agenda to not be acceptable any longer. And unfortunately, it's happening way too much as it needs to be. So we are on today speaking about your son, Joey. He was 32 years old. He was a tactical power generation specialist assigned to the third armored brigade, uh, part of the army. And you are here to not only share his story, but also get some assistance. So give us a little bit of detail as to why you're here today. Uh, Joey was my youngest son. I have three boys, three adults boys with the oldest being gosh I guess almost 38 uh Tim who now lives in Washington State is uh, my oldest and I have another one Cody and Joey was my youngest as such being the youngest and they were all pretty close in age um 
he was my child that was on the roundabout. <laughs> uh, he didn't do things necessarily right the first time, but he did it with kindness and, uh, you know, caring for other people. He made mistakes that only set him backwards, but nobody else. Um, he All he ever wanted in life was to be loved, for his parents to be proud of him, and uh, to love people and, and treat them with kindness, and especially animals. He was a total animal uh, advocate. Uh, he uh, even would sneak cats into his barracks. He kept cat food in his car if he saw a stray cat. So um, when I say he was on the roundabout, he was exploring different options throughout life. And after high school, he tried uh, all different kinds of things between working at pizza places, or other fast food um, places, but he also then took um, welding classes. He uh, worked at uh, Walmart distribution center. He uh, tried his uh, go at uh, um, small community colleges and he really found his niche with the military and the army. Um, and it wasn't easy to get in because he tried uh, different um, military branches, but because he'd been on the roundabout with nothing major, just dumb stuff that kids do, just dumb stuff. Um, but when he got in the army and they accepted him, he was so excited. I was so proud of him because he found what he needed to do. And uh, he re-enlisted because I understand you have to re-enlist before your um your time is up that you sign up for. So he re-enlisted fall of 2020, I believe. Yes. And so he was excited. He was going to spend a year in South Korea and then he was going to come back and go to um, Colorado, Carson City, I believe, and, and do a stint there. So he was excited. So things changed though for him uh, rather quickly last year. He did get involved in drinking, uh, and I'm not going to lie, a lot of people drink, mm -hmm. <laughs> especially mm -hmm. in the military and on base, they do, yep. but I am now starting to put together all these different things that happened to my son that I was not aware of. Him and I were very close, not only because he was the youngest, but he had a sensitivity to him and he, he shared a lot of things with me. We, um, we both had a love of animals and we liked the same foods, uh, pasta. He loves macaroni and cheese. He was in a macaroni and cheese contest, as a matter of fact. He, and he, when he learned about the Instapot, he was so excited. He would try different recipes. I mean, he was just a genuine kid. You know, it's all about the simple stuff. And he'd be macaroni and cheese in the Instapot. Mom, have you ever heard of Instapot? And he'd be texting me these recipes. And I was like, wow. So, you know, he was just a good kid. He died February 1st. It will be six months, August 1st, which is just down the road. When I got the information with two officers in my house they just said he died in his sleep in his barracks at Fort Hood and that's all they offered me I probably not so politely asked them to leave because you know when they told me well the secretary of state blah 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 I'm like secretary of state doesn't know my son and I understand that this is your role this is your job 
but it's not helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, I already, I was at another place and got called by my neighbor to come home because there were people at my house and I could live in a gated area. Uh, so people don't just drop by. And I said, who is it? And the girl wouldn't tell me. And I said, are, are they from the army? Mm-hmm. And she said, they are, and you need to come home. Well, they don't just drop by your house. And I knew what had happened. And I had called my oldest son, Tim, who was Joey's best friend. And he just cried on the phone. He said, mom, Joey died. And that's a hard call. That, that's, I actually replay that in my mind all the time, those words, because it's, it's hard to understand. I was texting my son, Joey, at 9.30 on January 31st. And it was a good conversation. And at the end, he says, Mom, I'm tired. I got to get it th- get up at 3 a.m. to go to the motor pool. I love you. I'll talk to you in the morning. I said, I love you, too. And that was it. Mm. They found him at 6 a.m. in his bed, in his barracks. And... I knew mother's intuition. I don't know. I knew there was something more to the story. Mm-hmm. He didn't die of suicide. He didn't kill himself. He was about to get out of the army. What I didn't know then, but I know now he was being pushed out of the army for something that actually never happened. He had a commanding officer that was targeting him there's lots of bits and pieces of all this puzzle pieces that are scattered all over that I am putting together. There's many, many layers of this. In the end, my son did die. But the story of what happened seems to keep changing. So I knew it was a suicide and I knew it wasn't something, I mean, I felt pretty certain it wasn't like a brain aneurysm or something. I mean, it could happen, but I feel like they would have told me that if that happened, not necessarily right then, but somewhere within the first few months or something, I would think. I was also told that I would have an autopsy toxicology um, at the latest six to eight weeks. That didn't happen. Honestly, my instincts of a mother are correct as I'm putting information together. And I've had to fight for every bit of information on my son. Why is this okay? I mean, why is it okay that a parent can't get all the information transparently without having to ask the right questions to get the answers. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't until I went to another media source. um, It's hard to get the timeframe. I think it was the end of May um, that I finally got a toxicology autopsy report done because the media source out of Colleen gave them a deadline and called up the criminal investigation division and said, hey, I need to know. And she gave them a a 12 noon deadline and they called me at 11.15 that morning. 
coincidental? Yeah. I don't think so. No. I don't think so. I don't think so. And I do document every conversation mm-hmm. with who it is and everything. I am that person. I am that mom. When I got the autopsy toxicology, they said that Joey died of drug interaction intoxication. I felt from the beginning, it had something to do with medication. Why? March 17th, 2021, a year and change ago, Joey went to the clinic at Fort Hood on base for an eye infection. Four o'clock that day, I didn't know he was going there. I mean, I don't know his every move, but at four o'clock that day, I got a call from a uh, medical professional at Fort Hood asking if they could do an emergency MRI on my son. And I said, yes, which I was next to Ken then. I'm still having to prove I'm next to Ken, but I was next to Ken then. Somehow I got removed from that as his mother, but they called me as his mother because he was unconscious and they needed to do an emergency MRI. And I said, absolutely, but why? He said, well, we think he might have brain damage. Okay, well, can you call me back? Mm -hmm. (laughs) That never happened. That never happened. They never called me back. So I spent hours. I think it was about midnight when I finally got a hold of somebody because I called one number then called another number, called the military police, called a whole string of numbers. And many times it didn't even answer and it just went dead. I finally somehow got to the ICU nurse that said, yes, we have your son here and he is safe and he is okay. And he's on monitors and we're going to let him sleep. Call him in the morning. I said, why is he in there? She goes, they over-medicated him at the clinic. That's what she told me. Wow. Wow. So Interestingly enough, now I can't be certain of this because I don't have the medical records yet. I've been asking for the medical records since the beginning. It's been almost six months and I still don't have them. But today I got news that I may be getting them. So that's good. Good. They told me I had to go to court in probate court to prove I was mother, which is interesting because, again, they called me a year and a half ago, whatever it is, uh, because I was his mother next to Ken, and they had that down. I got his final paycheck. I got his personal belongings. Um, I received the criminal investigation report that I'm thinking they don't just give to random people. Mm-mm. Who knows? They don't give the toxicology autopsy. I mean, my son didn't get this. I got it. And so really kind of weird. Like, why aren't they being transparent about this? I've had to fight to get this. Then he, after uh, he was released, he said, mom, I don't know what happened. And he says, I have this discharge paperwork and it showed the medications. And it said on the discharge paperwork that he was over medicated and that he had a possible stroke in his eye. So his staff sergeant took him back to his barracks. And what happens at the barracks? There's military police there trying to arrest him for being intoxicated and bashing in his roommate's TV. And she goes, you're not doing that to him. He was in the hospital because he was over medicated on base. 
I have a timeline from the criminal investigation report that details this 72 page report. That's all about alcohol. And there's no alcohol in his bloodstream, by the way. It said 3-17-2021, he had an alcohol-related incident resulting in damage to a TV. This is in the re official report that, by the way, he was in the hospital. Now, I was told that it was taken out of his medical records. I don't know. Time will tell. He got counseled for this incident, interrogated, um, and given a, um, I don't know what they call it, some kind of a citation they do in the military anyway. Mm -hmm. And he wasn't intoxicated. So this started him being pushed out of the army for something that didn't happen. So another interesting thing in the autopsy toxicology report, the uh, drug interaction intoxication said he had uh, four drugs in his system and Kratom. I don't know much about Kratom, but I'm learning mm -hmm. a lot. Mm -hmm. They're saying that Kratom, you know, they're saying that that's what killed him. Kratom doesn't kill you. But let's talk about the drugs he was given. Let's not, they don't add that in, but according to this CID report, he was given four, five, six, seven drugs prescribed to him when he came back the month of January from Christmas. Seven. Does that seem like a lot? A healthy 32-year-old, I knew he was on trazodone. He told me that. But there's a whole bunch of drugs. I don't even know how they mix with each other. So they said as a side note, he had cardiovascular disease in the narrative. As a side note, I'm like, what? And where did that come from? Mm -hmm. It said that Joey's heart was 540 grams. I don't know what normal is, but I was told my oldest son, Tim, is in the funeral business. Mm -hmm. I sent this to him. He goes, mom, do you realize Joey's heart was three times the normal size? I said, No. And I kind of put that aside. Well, then I had a um, past medical examiner. He's now doing private business, forensics, toxicology, autopsies like that. I was looking for a secondary person to take the live tissues that are in Dover, Delaware and test them. He goes, well, send me what you have. I said, I have a narrative report. He goes, send me that. So I called him last week. I said, what are your thoughts? He goes, well, really? He goes, I think it was pretty well written. He goes, but honestly, what stands out to me, your son's heart was three times the normal size. Mm -hmm. So that was the second time I heard that. And then I just stopped and I said, what does that mean? He said, this didn't just happen. This didn't just happen. And he had like a heart attack and he died. This is ongoing. This is an acute issue. Well, that to me was startling. It could be a mix of the inappropriate drugs. It could be the wrong dosage. I don't know all that because again, I'm still waiting on the medical reports, which is probably why I don't have them in my hand and why it's taken so long to get them. Mm -hmm. This to me 
was preventable, which is what I knew from the very beginning. My intuition was correct. This was preventable. Also in the narrative on the front page of their autopsy toxicology, it says something about him being um, moved out of the army by report. The um, dissent was pending administrative separation for an alcohol-related incident. First of all, how is that relative when there was no alcohol in his body? Correct. This is an official report from the Defense Health Agency in Do at Dover Air Force Base. Why is that even on there? It's amazing the narrative that they will put into, like you said, an actual document in order yes. to give an answer that they feel is deemed acceptable, but may not be something that actually happened. It's rerouting you. Correct. It's rerouting you to think a different direction. Somebody told me it's kind of like when you have the game where you hide something under the cups and you have three cups and you switch it around and mm -hmm. you're trying to follow which one has the ball under the cup. Mm -hmm. You pick the wrong one. Let's just stay in our lane and talk about what's truly happening here. You know, so it says circumstances of death. The decedent was found unresponsive in his barracks with medication bottles and numerous empty kratom containers. By report, the uh, descent, descent, whatever it is, was pending administrative separation for an alcohol-related incident. What? And then, oh, there, there's a little note about having um, cardio... I don't even know how you say it, um, cardiovascular disease, but it, it talks about that. So what? Something's not right here. Correct. So, I mean, he's already been over-medicated once. What's mm -hmm. to say it can't happen again? So you said he was given all these medications in January. Did you see him prior to him having all of these medications prescribed to him? No, no. I, the last time I saw him was Christmas Day. Okay. Anything out of the ordinary um, for listeners that are listening, anything out of the norm, like something, because you obviously have the most amazing motherly instinct and all, all great moms have that. You just know it's a gut feeling. Anything that seemed different or did he discuss anything since he was super close to you of, Hey, like I'm not feeling well, anything different? No, nothing, nothing. So again, I don't know the mix of all these drugs and I can tell you what they are. I don't know how they all work together. I don't know what they're for. Um, I believe he was on more than one anti-anxiety med. It's just, it's very frustrating because they want you to believe that it had something to do with alcohol when there was no alcohol in his body. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he died February 1st. We had a service uh, February 9th in Conroe, Texas. 54 soldiers came at their own expense. Three or six plus hours round trip, plus the gas, whatever, plus the time it took for them to be here and take time off. A hundred wanted to come. Wow. So that to me speaks volumes. And then when I went to the service they had on base at Fort Hood, February 24th, they almost didn't have it uh, because it was icy conditions. There was some snow on the ground. Yeah, I know, Texas, right? <laughs> but there was. February is a cold month for us. It was in the 20s all day. 
And they said, well, we don't know if we're going to do this. The installation might close. Schools are closed. But I'm glad they did. And I convinced them to do it because that was on a Thursday. And the following Monday or March 1st, whenever that was, they were going to take most of his company was going to the National Training Center out in California and be gone for a month. Mm-hmm. So it needed to happen. So after the uh, service they had, you know, the where it's very solemn, you know, with the boots and the tags. And I had never been anything like that. It was pretty sobering. And his whole company attended. And I went to the room in his barracks where he died and talked to the roommate, a young 19-year-old. Then his staff sergeant said, I needed to go to the motor pool. I, I needed to go there because there's people waiting to talk to me. Mm-hmm. So there were like 30 platoon leaders, soldiers, different ones that were um, friends with Joey. And we talked for over two hours and it was cold. And it was during their dinner time. I mean, we were all standing in a semicircle, and they told me stories about Joey and it was great. It was nice. But then they switched it and they said, you need to get justice for Joey. I said, what are you talking about? They said, he didn't need to die. There's more to the story. And he was being targeted. And they said, we were asked all the time, what do you got on Joey? What do you got on Joey? By the commanding officer of the company. And they kept saying, we have nothing. I don't know where this came from. I think it was going on for over a year, maybe a year and a half, however long he was in command. But I said, at that point, there's more to this story. Mm -hmm. The most heart-wrenching thing for me when I heard your story and heard you coming on every social media aspect you could find just to keep the story alive. It's amazing to me. that a mother not only has to grieve and have the time to grieve and lose your child, but during this grieving time, you have to find answers yourself. You have to become an investigator and find the justice for your son and be the voice for your son. So not only not being able to have that time to grieve and be with the family, but then hearing that from the men and women that were around him, that were literally almost like family when he was away, that had to have just made your intuition just dive even deeper of, I have to get more answers. Like what is it that I'm missing? And that is exactly right. You know, uh, somebody said to me, are you sad about your son dying? And I just like, what are you asking me? Of course I am. This is the worst thing that could have possibly happened. I, I, it was something I, you know, he was, you know, I always thought, oh God, I hope he doesn't get in a car accident. I mean, you think of these things when you have kids, when they're out at night and, but I never, ever, ever thought he would die on base in his sleep. It's scary. It is, and it's, it's a lot. So yes, I've been digging. um, And yes, I do get angry. I mean, I'm a commissioner on our local veterans commission. We're building a big park. I'm a director there. I care for military. This has nothing to do with being against the military. I just want that to be known. I will always be Joey's mom. I will always be an army mom, but I want answers for Joey. 
and I want to make a difference. Mm -hmm. And I was told this early on that I need to save other soldiers' lives or bigger picture, other military that have lost kids. So I went to DC, uh, moms and dads from all branches of the military, all of them. Mm -hmm. And some of them have been fighting this for 10, 15 years because they lost their child due to medical malpractice or negligence. Mm -hmm. I was surprised. I did not know that. One mom told me she's been fighting for over 10 years for her son who was in the Air Force and he needed uh, medical treatment and a surgery and a dentist treated him. And he, that dentist is not even board certified today because she works for the VA as a nurse and could look these things up. How is that okay? How is it that our military don't get the same medical that say our prisoners do? Exactly. And what, what are we doing about it? So what did I do? I, I went to DC when I was asked to go with an organization, saveourservicemembers.org. And spoke with, um, I got appointments right away. So that was a problem. It was kind of fun because I'd actually never been to DC. So it was a whirlwind, 48 hours. But I went there with a mission. I did a little TikTok from there, of course, because, you know. You have to. You have to. When you're to. You have to. I mean, you know, with the Washington Monument in the background, so people could tell. But I went to um, Ted Cruz's office. I talked to him for an hour. And I said, were you aware of all these families and all of this going on? I said, he said, no, I am not. I said, I know you knew about my son because we've been in touch. Kevin Brady, Congressman Kevin Brady has been involved since day one. He's a personal and professional friend of mine. And I texted him that night. I said, something's not right. So they've been on it all the time. And I know my elected officials. So I guess maybe that made it a little more powerful, but I had an hour with Ted Cruz and I said, so you weren't aware of all this happening to other families in the past, but you are now. So what are you going to do about it? Yes. Falls in your court. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Make a difference. So when I, uh, I got an appointment in uh, Kevin Brady's uh, ways and means committee room, I believe there were six other Texas congressmen there that were veterans, veterans, mm -hmm. And they learn the stories from these other families as well. I believe in my heart that more needs to be done. I believe, and I will not stop, or I will have somebody else carry the ball in case something happens to me. But I believe this is what I need to do. I am driven to making things better to protect our service members. They do a lot for us. They are willing to do whatever it takes. They take the oath to keep America safe. Mm -hmm. That is their big mission. So what are we doing to protect them? I believe in my heart that physicals need to be given more regularly and not just a check-in and self-report how you're doing, but actual physicals. Because in civilian life, we have to have physicals if we take so many medications. They don't just randomly give us drugs, or at least decent doctors don't, right. you know, and if you're on so many medications, maybe you have another physical to check and see how you're doing with those. Mm -hmm. But we need to have a physical protocol, a, a stringent 
physical protocol for all branches of the military and our veterans when they get out. When they're veterans, they still need medication. So through our VA, they need to get physicals. Yes. So that's the big game plan. And then on top of that, I would like to see the oversight of our military branches. What does that mean? And I've been told that this is a fight that won't happen, but you know, never say never. Gotta try. <laughs> Have another branch of the military do oversight in any death. Agreed. So if you have the army doing checks and balances on itself, how does that work? Yeah, you're not going to get the 100% answers every single time because there's there's situations like this. There's scenarios that they don't want the actual truth of information to I'm be finding this out. Mm-hmm. You know, I am learning more than I ever knew, ever knew, ever. I mean, I feel that this is mission driven for me, that I will stay the course to take care of my son, uh, to honor his name and what he did, but also our other military, our service members, because I I believe it's the right thing to do. Having you on and knowing pre-planning of of having this interview set up. It was amazing. I reached out to so many people that are connected with the military and just within the right and wrong. So I asked so many people of, you know, Hey, I have this story coming up and this is what, this is what's occurring. I have a mother that not only has to have answers, but deserves answers and deserves justice. And it was amazing. The feedback, because it was a monstrous amount of numbers of families that came out of the woodwork and said, I'm so glad that somebody's speaking up on this topic, especially on a podcast where people can listen and share and send it because this happened to my son, my daughter, my cousin, my dad, my sibling. And this is something, especially we've done many, many podcasts in regards to just the military community in general, whether it's wrongfully convicted, whether it's sexual assault, domestic violence, the medication portion within the military is something that is not discussed, touched on, talked about. And it is probably one of the most dangerous aspects of these men and women's lives because in the criminal justice field, We have our prisoners in the state and federal prisons that if you give them a medication, they're constantly supervised on a medication. They have physicals. And like you said, why is this not done for our military men and women when they're offering their lives? What are we giving them for safety and turn back? I'm opening the door. I'm opening the door wide. And as you had so many people reach out to you. I didn't even know about TikTok. Somebody told me I needed to do that. So I just did it and I just started it. Oh my God, I have like 20,000 comments. I don't have time to read all those comments. Mm-hmm. I also have a mom who's who's older and needs my attention. I just moved from Oregon to Texas and you know I have a life. I run a, a PR business, mm-hmm. but people are emailing me, texting me and it is all over. And you know, I go back personally, my son, Joey, um, where did this cardiovascular disease come from? Mm -hmm. It didn't just happen. Like the past medical examiner told me this is a process, whether it happened through drugs. I mean, I asked his staff sergeant that he had, I said, did he do normal things and run? I said, I thought he, I was a runner for 30 years. I was a competitive runner and Joey started running and he enjoyed running. 
And she goes, yes, he participated in everything. He ran. I said, did he feel bad? Uh, was he overexert? She goes, nope, not at all. I don't know when this started, but apparently it was ongoing unless it happened through medication. I, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. But what I do know is they should have found it. Yes. It's still negligence as far as I'm concerned. If a soldier dies, quit talking about the drug thing. I think the drugs was superficial to what the bigger problem was. He died because he had an enlarged heart. Why did that happen? I mean, he didn't have it when he went into the army. He was in the army almost five years. And I know they do some kind of physicals when they get into the army because they don't allow certain physical ailments to be a part of the army. It's not acceptable. Again, I don't really know specifics, but I feel like this happened while he was in the army. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And medications probably exasperated it. Mm -hmm. I will find out though. In the beginning, you stated you went, you were able to go to the barracks. I'm assuming for listeners um, that are that are following along here that you were considered the next of kin back in March when this happened and they alerted you for the MRI. So I'm assuming yep. that uh, yep. you were also next of kin to pick up his personal items and his property. Oh, yes. So that was where, my point. Yes. We don't just randomly give those away. <laughs> yeah. So where is this shift happening that you as the mother now to get answers are having to prove that you are his mother? So I've been asking and I filled out all the appropriate um, paperwork that the army requests for all the things, whether it was for the toxicology, autopsy, my uh, casualty assistance officer checks in with me, texts me. We talk all the time. Uh, he's very thorough, but when it came to medical records, which is what I asked for from the very beginning, like the beginning in February, because I knew something was wrong. Because again, he was over-medicated once. They wouldn't let him have it at all. And he's gone back there many times. So I asked him last week, I said, okay, I want you to go back to these same people and tell them, well, you know, I was next to Ken in March to do an emergency MRI. I was next to Ken to get his personal belongings. I was next to Ken to get his final paycheck. I was next to Ken um, to get the autopsy, toxicology, the uh, CID report. So how did I get removed? Just, that, just wondering. <laughs> at, at which part of this did I get removed since, you know, I was okay? Well, apparently that's what worked. And then I was talking to someone, um, chief of staff of Congressman Brady's office today, and he said, well, you know, in Texas, there's a law that without a will and without children or um, a wife, spouse, whatever, the parents are the sole survivors and next to kin. He goes, that's a law. Mm -hmm. And he goes, I've been telling them that all last week, every day. I said, well, something worked. Mm -hmm. So thank you, Congressman Kevin Brady. So, uh, so yes, I don't have those yet, but I believe it's forthcoming. I did fill out a Freedom of Information Act back in February. Um, I do have an attorney working with me and uh, he does military uh, malpractice. Mm -hmm. So we shall see. 
And to hear your story and not only to hear the struggles that you're having and the hoops you have to jump through, not every person would even know where to start. Where do you start for something like this? Where do you find the answers when it just seems almost like the cup removal? It's moved to this cup and then it moved to this side. Where do you even start when, like I said before, you are you deserve not only to have the grieving process, but you deserve the time to honor your son. So to, that's what made me want to have you on this podcast and honor not only your son and his story, but to have listeners understand that this is not acceptable for not only military, but this not only changes your life as a civilian, but you're a mother. And this is not the legacy that we want for our men and women in uniform to leave behind you. It's just amazing to me, the hidden agendas that most people do not understand. This is happening on a daily basis, multiple times with multiple scenarios. So like you said in the beginning, when is enough enough and when does it stop? But I want to wrap up this episode. Thank you for giving us your time, sharing your story, sharing your son's legacy with us. I have hundreds of thousands of listeners that you guys download this, you share it, you have connections. Uh, This will also be featured on a radio show, Tell It Like It Is, by the one, the only James Thomas. We are so excited for that. The main reason for this is just because something happens does not mean that one voice does not matter. It does not mean that one voice is not strong enough. And we have to come together as a community to make a difference, not only for your son, but also for others. But it starts with your son. So thank you for coming on, for being vulnerable with us and sharing his story. Um, We will share this. We will explode this as much as possible. And this is a story that not only needs to stay silent and dormant, but it actually needs to do the complete opposite so that not only can you get answers as the the mother, but you can also have time to fully grieve and then honor your son because that is what you deserve. Joey was loved by more people than I ever knew because he told me he had no friends. (laughs) He was just a sweet, sweet kid. I mean, seriously, I appreciate Tabitha, you allowing me to tell Joey's story because it's important for me to keep his name alive. That is important to me. Uh, He was very important to me. I I mean, it's all important to me. Mm -hmm. And um, I'll be dedicating a bench in his name on what would have been his 33rd birthday at the uh, Veterans Memorial Park we have in Conroe, Texas. Uh, I hope some of his uh, soldier friends come. Absolutely. That will be a good day. Thank you so much. Thank you for coming on. I appreciate it. Thank you guys so much for joining for yet another episode of Little Bit of Life Podcast with Little. We are also honored to have not only one, but two sponsors on this very special episode. It's an amazing company that's out there called Rusty Arrows Boutique. They support veterans, the community, and their motto, dreams are of no value if they're not equipped with wings. Make sure to check them out at RustyArrowsBoutique.com. And a special thank you to Paige, the owner, who was able to get me in touch with this amazing mom to share her story. Thank you so much for tuning in with me and spending your time hanging out. Hopefully you enjoyed today's podcast and a special thank you to all our sponsors. Make sure to check them out. 
If you have any tips or topics, feel free to email me at littlebitoflifecast at gmail.com or you can also reach out to me on Instagram at littlecute1az. You never know if your topic will be next. Be sure to join me again for another episode of Little Bit of Life. Until next time, stay positive, stay blessed.